I've been, we're not going to go through Romans 5. Uh, I'm not going to go through it in the way that I've been going through the rest of the stuff through Romans, although you're going to hear the good news today. Um, you're just going to hear Romans 5 applied to real life, that hope does not disappoint. You're gonna, I, it, we couldn't have worked it out any better, that today's announcement fell with the, the text of Romans chapter 5. But I've been teasing a big announcement for um, about three weeks, and several of you already know what it is because you ask me. And I mean, like, anybody that asked me, like, hey, what's the announcement? I'm like, oh, well, it's about this. And I would, I would tell you, the, like, I had two or three people call me this week and a few people email, and I told them the announcement because I didn't say it was a big secret. I just said it was a big announcement. That's all I said. It was a big announcement. And so um, I dropped a big hint last Sunday in, in one of my stories that I used. I dropped a big hint in the video. If you were watching, the, if you paid attention to the video, there was a logo on the hat I was wearing, and I, I did that on purpose so just to see if anybody caught it. But um, in 2001, this church became debt-free. And our elders immediately, like the month of January, started thinking, what next? Where, where do we go from here? Because for 20 years, we'd had debt as a church. And, and the debt's given us some good things. Like we, we, we have this building we're sitting in today because of that debt. So I'm not, not this is not like an anti-debt message. It's, you know, but it took a while to pay it off. And we've been very, very aggressive about paying down the debt. We attacked it. And... Um, you know, for the last five or six years, we've just been attacking debt. Let's get out of debt. Let's get out of debt. Let's get out of debt. And uh, we did that at the end of 2021. And so then we immediately started saying, well, well what next? We've, we've poured all this resources and this effort and, and these finances into, into getting out of debt. And what do we do now? Where do we go now? And so we started talking with nonprofits. Um, we started praying. We started uh, investigating different, you know, ministries around town. We're just trying to think, like, how do we, where do we go from here? We've had, and it's been an incredible 20 years. What's the next 20 years look like? Where do we go? And February 9th, we met with Tim Cottom, Jeff Gandy, Carson Plant, and Stephen Falk. They came down on February 9th and met with our elders. And uh, we spent about two hours with them that night. And then a couple months after that, we went to Hornwald, and we met with... Uh, that same group of guys and some more folks from, from Hornwald, and we went and toured a, a men's center and a women's center. And then Carson and his wife came here and worshiped with us one Sunday. You didn't know that, but they were kind of checking us out because we were in the dating stage here. So they were checking out the church to see kind of what we were like. And we, Jenny and I took them to lunch and spent some time with them there. And then Carson and Stephen came back and spent some time with our, our staff. And so we've been going through this eight-month process of... Um, just praying and talking and like what's next for us as a church and uh, I think one of our elders when they walked out the room on February 9th one of our elders said well I don't know where we go from here but we're doing this you know like we're out this is going to happen and we still did all our due diligence but we're like this is going to happen it just it's got to happen and um, so the big news that I've got today is we're going to we're going to build a hope center uh, in Columbia so we're going to build and hope center you, yeah you can applaud that and um, if you don't know what that is, that's what the next 30 minutes is for, is to tell you what Hope Center is. And I decided the best way to tell you what Hope Center is, is to let you hear a little bit of what we heard the first time we met. And so I'm going to, I don't want to take any more of their time. I want you to welcome Tim Cottom and Jeff Gandy to come up and sit at the table with me. I want to thank both of you guys for coming.
So I asked Tim, when I knew, when I knew we were going to talk about this, I asked Tim to share his testimony. And um, I didn't ask Jeff because Jeff's pastors another church. I'm like, he can't get off. He, he pastors another church. Well, Tim said, I'm going to ask Jeff. <laughs> and so you did. He got somebody else to preach for him this morning so that he could be with us uh, this morning. And we really appreciate that, Jeff. Thank you so much. But um, I, we, we do not have, and y'all know how weird this is for me, I, I feel. I do not have any notes today, and I don't know what direction this is going to go in, so we're just going to jump right in, okay? But the reason I asked you, Tim, was I asked you to share your testimony. And I know that's, that may be a, a two-hour project. You got about ten minutes today. But... Tell us what God has done in your life and how you got to where you are today. I don't know if this thing's on or not. It is. I believe he's, he owns Scott. Yeah, can you hear me? You're just not as loud as me. That's good. <laughs> That's good. No, I, I really uh, just feel blessed that you asked us to come, Russ, and uh, just thank you for the opportunity. Uh, I can't turn down. When somebody asked me to, you know, give a testimony, how, how do you say no to that? But anyway, I want to try to get through that. Is uh, thirty-five plus years is is what uh, how long I stayed in addiction. I started getting high in the fourth grade, uh, and that lasted for a long, long time till I was forty-five year old. I ended up going through that process right there. By the time I was thirteen, I started dabbling with uh, you know hard drugs like pills, cocaine, meth, LSD. The whole, the whole works is um, just really turned into a nightmare. By the time I was 19 year old, I turned into a full fledged junkie, uh, and I tried everything for the next 20 plus years to stop because uh, by the time I was 19, it wasn't fun no more. Uh, you know, it, there just wasn't no fun in it no more. I I I'd just become a slave to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I was a mess. I ended up going to rehab, I'd say, probably 12 times. Uh, none of those was faith-based. Uh, that just wasn't real popular back in the day. Uh, ended up going to prison three times. Let me see if I can tell you a little quick story. After the second time I got out of prison... As soon as I got out, it wasn't a month. I was right back doing what I was doing. And uh, it, it, it didn't take 30 days, and they'd already locked me back up. And that meant I was going back to prison So because I'd, I'd done got some more charges. And plus, I still had some probation time left over. But I never will forget it. I was in what they call SEG, which is by yourself in a cell. And I'd always have to go through these withdrawals. And it's just, it's just like death is what it's like. Uh, but I never will forget, you know, it, the church came to me, really. Jesus came to me in that cell. Had a guy named Keith Bobo. Worked as a jailer. Worked a midnight shift. Yep. Worked a midnight shift. He loved, th- thank the Lord, he loved God because mm-hmm. he kept bringing me scripture. And at the time, you know, I, I run him out of there three or four times. I said, you know, I, I don't want to hear that mess. I'm, uh, yeah, and that's another thing, too. He'd come in in the morning at 3 o'clock in the morning at a, at a jail <laughs> whistling. And I kept thinking to myself, I thought, how in the world could somebody be that happy working here? Mm-hmm. But he kept bringing me the scripture. 
And I and I never will forget it. He come in one night with some scripture, and it's one of my favorite scriptures, Romans ten nine through thirteen. Uh, and not only did he bring the scripture, but he bought he he brought me uh, some photographs from the very first time I was locked up till that that oh, yeah. that last time. And I looked at them pics, and I just fell down on my knees and said, "God, if you're real, you gotta help me." And uh, he did. I started right then and there. I just asked the Lord to come into my life. and I just promised him I'd, be, I'd serve him if he could just help me. And, you know, even after that, I had to go do four years in the penitentiary. And that was tough. Uh, that, that was probably one of the toughest things I ever did. But I, 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 stayed, uh, I stayed faithful. And I, I'll never forget it. Uh, when I got out of prison, I, they gave me a bus ticket, a white T-shirt, a pair of khaki breeches, and a black pair of boots. And that's all I had to my name when I got out of there. And y'all ain't got time for me to tell you how much he's blessed me since I, since I got out of there. Because I, I, I just made my mind up. I was done. And uh, uh, I just... Stayed, stayed after him, and uh, actually, I started uh, when I got finally got made my way back to home. While I, the last place I thought I'd ever go, I went back to. I started doing a, a jail ministry. Started going to church with Jeff out at Jeff's place in Blondie. Uh, started a jail ministry. Uh, done that for a while. Me and him was trying to help people during all that time. Uh, and then he, he asked me to start doing a class called Recovery Through Christ. Started that with three mm-hmm. people. And now we're running anywhere from 85 to 100 people on Sunday nights. So it's just been a, uh, God's been so good to me. I'll tell you this, as you're telling that story, what's interesting to me is I don't know that man. What you're talking about in the past, I don't, I, I know, who I know of Tim is dad telling me like, we'll be playing golf and he'll get a phone call and like, sorry guys, I gotta go, and because somebody's in help, somebody's in, somebody needs help, and you'll drop everything and go get them. And you did that for one of our, one of our members. I called you about somebody and said, I got a young man who needs some help, and dropped everything, came up here to Columbia and did it. That's the Tim I know. That's good. <laughs> that's that's good, Russ. Cause you, you, yeah, that's a good thing. Cause I, you know, I I was the worst of the worst. Uh, I can't lie. Uh, it's nothing I'm proud of, but. I can assure you, Jesus Christ will change your life if you let him. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, and I can testify to that. That's why I'm sitting up here today. But it, it, just real quick, like this guy right here. I, I was his best man in his wedding 37 years ago. Mm-hmm. We was best friends. But Jeff, when he was, I think, 18 or 19, I, I feel kind of guilty because I kind of got him going in a wrong direction also with me. Uh, but Jeff decided to... Uh, you know, give his life to the Lord back then. Mm-hmm. And the first thing he done was, he said, Tim, I can't, I can't hang with you no more, buddy. I love you, but, mm. but, he, but he tried. He tried, yeah. he, he tried to help me. He, he really tried. Yeah. But I, and, and we, we stayed apart all those years. And it's just like God brought us right back together mm-hmm. after all them years. Uh, and uh, we've just been doing great things ever since. 
Well, that's what I want to talk about. And, I, and we decided to do it this way because I was like, this is because yes. we had a phone conversation earlier this week. And I was like, we can talk about this for hours. We're not going to. <laughs> but, um, but we can talk about this for hours. Yeah. And was, let's just sit at a table and talk. Because y'all started something at Hornwall called Hope Center. And y'all didn't start it, uh, it y'all, but y'all are a partner with a, a group called Hope Center Ministries. They got 37 centers across the country. And um, I, want to talk, I want y'all to talk a little bit about what that, first, let's just go with basics. What is it? Like, what is Hope Center, and, and how is it different? From, you said you've been through how many different? Twelve. Twelve different 12. treatments. How is it different? The difference, the difference in Hope Center, this is not a uh, rehab. rehab. It's not a rehab. This is a discipleship program. Yes. Hold on. we got to get a mic for you. Yeah, I'm dead in water. Yeah. You probably can preach loud enough that they wouldn't need a mic, but the people online are going to need it. <laughs> This is not a. This is not a rehab. Okay. There you go. Uh, this is a, a discipleship program. Yeah. When they come out of Hope Center, they get more Jesus than most people get in a lifetime. They get up at 4:45 every morning, and the first, they have to eat, eat breakfast, get ready. Seven o'clock to eight o'clock, they do Bible study. Three days a week, mon- on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, they have Bible study at one o'clock. Uh, first phase, they have it every day. And then we got what we call second phase. They have counselors that meets with them twice a week. They go through the 12 steps of Celebrate Recovery. And mm-hmm. if you hadn't done Celebrate Recovery, the first one is I can't. Second one basically is God can. And then you, the third one, you got to let God. Yeah. And that's what you basically do is lead them through that. Yeah. So it's, it's better than, I think it's as good as a Bible college. Wouldn't you say, Tim? I do. I agree. Yeah, and, that, and that's I agree. you don't know we're preaching through Romans, but the first three chapters of Romans is I can't, yeah. and then the next two chapters is God can. God can. Really, the next three chapters is God can, and then seven is you got to let you got to let him because that's his. Yep. Paul goes into struggle with sin. Yes. So you just you just gave me the rest of my outline for yeah. Romans. So, yep. uh, but I think a couple of things that that I thought was unique about Hope Center. I mean, one, it is Christ centered. We, we know that, and um, it uses 12 steps, but there's no ambiguity about who the higher power is. The higher power is Jesus. Um, but it's a, it's a year-long program, and it's affordable. Yes. And, and that's one of the things that attracted us as a leadership was we're trying to, to meet ministry needs in the city of Columbia that, that nobody else may be meeting right now. And we got some great treatment centers in Columbia for, for guys that you know, maybe can't, can't pay anything. And we don't really have any on the high end. Oh, I think one's coming. But, uh, you know, it may cost $25,000, $30,000 a month to go to treatment. Yes. A month. Yes. How much does this one cost? Got it costs $700 to get in. That's it. And then they work. And when they get to phase two, which is the first 45 days, they go through the counseling. And then they go to what they call vocational training. And up until the last two months, they, they pay their way by working. And so you've got some skin in the game, and, and it, it, it makes a big difference. Those, the guys are paying their own way. They're paying exactly. their own that's, way. That's different than having, you know, yes. and I've, I've talked to folks that have said, you know, we had to get a second mortgage on a house and that kind of thing. Oh, and get yeah. Open. Oh, yeah. And, and yeah. the key to this is, is that uh, when they pay their own way, it's also teaching them to do something that most addicts have never done. It's work. called work. So it's so True. phase phase True one story. is forty five days. Mm-hmm. You work in the twelve steps. Yep. Yes. 
phase two is you, you do vocational training, but you also still have book work all the way through it. You yeah. have Bible memory. You memorize verses, and uh, you go to CR on Monday nights. You go to church on Sunday morning. You go to Recovery Through Christ on Sunday, Sunday night. night. Wednesday night's church. church. Friday night is family night, mm -hmm. and they if you have a place to do it here, they would do it here. If not, but anybody can go to that. Anybody in this community yeah. and their families, mm -hmm. everything yeah. they do, Monday night, Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Friday night, the family, the church, the community can go to all of that. That was one of the main reasons we wanted to go with Hope Center is because they were so family-oriented. Yes. They want family involved. Because yes. that's different from most, most it places. It is different. Most right? places, most you, places you, family you don't get any contact. No. So family can be a part of the recovery. Yeah. I remember when my when one of my family members went in. We didn't get mm -hmm. to go in for months. Yeah, and it didn't work too good. It mm -hmm. took a few more years, and then Jesus came on the scene, and then it yeah. finally got took care. So, of. what's the third phase then? Third phase is is where they get their phone back, they get their car back, and they can go and come yeah. more freely. And it's kind of like a slow transition into back into life. You got to understand something. Tim will tell you, these people have no way. They have no idea how to function in life. And what you're going to get the chance to do as a church is to truly do what the Bible tells us: disciple people. You know, we we feel like you know we'll go to church and we'll come in here and they'll come to us and we'll preach to them and they'll just get it. That, that's not going to work with these folks. Amen. They need one-on-one. -on -one. Yep. We all really do. Mm -hmm. And yep. what you're basically doing as a church, you're going outside these walls and saying, we're going to go get them and bring them in. You're just using Hope Center to do that. Mm -hmm. And you're going to teach them how to love again, how to forgive, how to love their self. Yeah. You know, most of these people are so broken, they hate their self. They don't want to be the way they are. They just need somebody to love them. And that's what we found the number one thing is if you will just love them where they're at, don't condemn them, because I'm going to tell you their sin's not any worse than ours. Mm -hmm. Theirs is just magnified. We look at it different. They're good yeah. people. They don't want to be where they're at, and this is the deal. Now in America, everybody has been touched with this addiction. Yes. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're our sons and our daughters, but more than that, yeah. they're daughters and sons and daughters of the Most High God. Yeah. And you got to look at them that way. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I agree 100% with that. I don't know that there's any, you know, you sit it and look at this crowd. I don't know, and whoever's online right now, I don't know if there's any family that can say, we've never dealt with that. Never yeah. dealt with that. There's been, it touches every family, and this is, if it hadn't touched them yet, it will. Yeah. It, it's so prevalent, and it doesn't matter how much money you got, it doesn't matter, you know, where you grew up, it does, none, none of that matters. It, it affects everybody. It but the thing it I want you all to talk about, as you, you kind of were talking about that, is that there's a partnership, because you're not running Hope Center. Hope Center is Hope Center's its own ministry. It's a nonprofit. But your church has partnered with Hope Center. And that's what we're looking to do, is to partner with Hope Center. And that's, the I think, the, the part to me that was so exciting and also frightening. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll talk about both. Exciting and frightening was this is a recovery program that is depending upon a church partner, and that's the whole key because you're trying to give these guys a church family that uh, extends past recovery. 
So talk a little bit about both aspects of that. Talk about the exciting part of partnering with them as a church and talk about the... Well, for, for us, uh, when we first started, you know, uh, started our Hope Center, uh, it, was, uh, it wasn't very difficult because we had a lot of volunteers. Yeah. We had a lot of people that loved God, but I can't lie, uh, uh, some just didn't want to go with us, but uh, God saw fit to send the ones that did. And uh, it, it, it changed, it not only changed me, but it changed our church. Yeah. Uh, we, we had to start uh, doing what the Bible says, which is love people. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, you know, and I'm talking about the whole church. And our, our, our church became closer. And it was doing more for the volunteers than probably actually it was doing for the, for the clients. Yeah. Uh, that's just the way it works. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we had we've never been short of any any volunteers, have we? No, no. We've got forty nine volunteers in our men's center, around thirty five volunteers in our women's center, and we stay on top. Out of all thirty seven centers, we have more volunteers in our centers than any of the others. Mm-hmm. That's the key. And I'm going to tell you, you can go into this and think I'm going to go help these poor pitiful people. But I'll tell you who you'll find out those poor, pitiful people will give you more than you're going to give them. Yeah. And that's what we went into it thinking these pitiful little fellers, because we'd been there. We oh, knew how yeah. pitiful it was. We yep. was pitiful too one day. Yeah. But it will make you a better Christian. Oh. You, Russ, oh. it's going to change the way you preach. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I believe that. Yeah. Well, you no longer, you know, we get up and say, you know, everybody knows about David or Zacchaeus. Well, they're going to look at you like, Who's he talking about? No. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say this. Truth. You would not believe how many people we go interview and we ask them, do you know Jesus? And they're like, well, we've heard about somebody named Jesus. We've been told he's real, but that's all we know. That's what you're going to get. Yep. And what a beautiful thing to be able to take these people that know nothing about Jesus and show it to them through your love. Because mm-hmm. really, Jesus is love. Yeah. Yeah. And all you're doing is partnering with, with Hope Center and saying, we want to love the worst of the worst. Yep. And when I say that, that's not the way we look at them. That's the way the world looks at them. Yeah. But you're going to find out they're not the worst of the worst. Some of them are your sons and your daughters. Some of them are my family. It's, uh, we, were, we were once absolutely. one of those. Yep. Yeah. I tell you, one of the most powerful things that happened with us when we were exploring all this was we, we had Carson Plant come down. Carson's the executive director of Hope Center. He lives in Waverly. And um, we had Carson and Stephen were meeting with our staff, and Ebony asked, she's like, well, do you know, can you tell us any stories of life change? And he goes, mine. Yes. And, he, and he told his story about getting arrested and going to prison and giving his life to God and his wife divorcing him and then them getting remarried after he got out of prison. And I'd have never we unconsciously do this yeah. as Christians. We unconsciously make judgments about people based on, on outside appearances. We do. And um, I'd have never guessed that. With Car- I was like, really? You? I'd have never guessed that you had had that struggle. Yes, and, it, and it's just a reminder that it's not, and Tim has talked about this, and y'all talked a little bit about this too. Tim said the challenge for us as a church is going to be we have a lot of hidden brokenness yes. in the church today but, because people in the church know how to hide it. <clears throat> but uh, these guys are coming in with open brokenness. They can't hide nothing. They got an arrest record. You're going to see them in just busted and all that. Like, you can't hide it. So it's open brokenness. And, like, how do you transition a church from hidden brokenness to open brokenness? How does that change a church? 
Yeah, you know, one, one thing that, that's major is, is most of these people are on rock bottom. Uh, and you got to think about it, uh, especially like as your volunteers or even your church. Uh, if, if they tell you something, it's hard for those people to trust anybody because most of them even couldn't trust themselves mm-hmm. at, at some point. Yeah. So you have to build. You, you have to build that, and the only thing that can build stuff like that is is uh, is love, mm-hmm. real, truthful love. You, we we just gotta love people. Uh, I'm telling you, it, it's it's the most rewarding thing I've ever been a part of, uh, and I've got a whole lot more out of it than I put into it. How did the church respond when y'all started doing it? The, the overall, they did well. Yeah. We had some people that just wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. They're not bad people. They just didn't understand it. Mm-hmm. But overall, it made us a better church. It made us a closer church. It made us better at doing what we're supposed to do at disciples. Yeah, because it, because this is one of the things that's different. Our church has done a lot of projects where we've raised money for a big project and given it to that nonprofit and said, good luck. Yes. Oh, yeah. And, and that, that's yeah. good. I love it. I, like We've done that with Crossroads to Homes. Hey, good luck. Here's some seed money. Yeah. We love y'all and we're cheering you on. Yeah. Um, this one is a little bit deeper investment where we do need to raise some money, yeah. but we're not saying good luck. We're saying we're going to partner with you because yes. the guys are going to come to church, but also their families and their kids. And their girlfriends and all like the, the families come to church too, yeah. and you got an opportunity to minister to those those families, yeah. and um, that's a whole different level of investment. It is, it is, and it's going to change your children's church, you yeah. know, because you know some these kids don't know how to act in church. You can look at it as an opportunity, or you can look at it as a problem. We chose. We have a mm-hmm. great opportunity. To do something big for the kingdom of God is teach kids how to act in church. And, you know, some people yeah. would say, man, I'll be glad when they quit coming. Well, we just, we'll be glad when more comes. That's what we change to. And when you see, when you see families getting their kids back, mm-hmm. marriages coming back together. We can't tell you how many marriages have come back together. We, we baptized 43 residents and 12 family members this year already at yeah. church. Uh, the family members come out of everything. And, that, and I'm going to tell you, they're not going to look like you. They're going to look different. They're going to act a little different. But mm-hmm. the beauty of that is you get to show them how to act. You can show them the love of Jesus or you can thumb your nose and say, we're better than you, but I know this church won't do that. Y'all are good people and, and you have a good leader. And you're, This is a chance of a lifetime. So they go in, go, what, go in the highways in and the, the byways, byways. Yes. and love the unlovable. Yes. We just had a girl yesterday, me and my wife, spent all day with Summer Frazier. You know Summer Frazier? Mm-hmm. And she's graduated. The guy, they, her and a guy just got married. They have nothing. We spent all day yesterday helping them move into a house. And, and that, to me, is one of the oh, most yeah. successes we Oh, yeah. If you know Summer and what she's been through, where she come them. from, I mean, where, actually up here. Yeah. I mean, she, mm-hmm. lived, she was living up here. Yeah. Uh, and it, it was just got really so bad for her. And she's just, she's just a miracle. And, uh, mm-hmm. I just call them gold nuggets because every now and then you'll get one. Yeah. yeah. That really makes it and goes all the way. And, uh, because what you're talking about is a church that, and, and I 
totally honest, you know, it like some, some, a lot of, when you're talking, there's a lot of them like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you'll say something like, oh man, that's going to be tough, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, because we've, we've preached as a church for years. We want to be a church for the unchurched. We judge where judgment ends and healing begins. Mm. And we were thinking primarily about kind of legalistic judgment. This is a different type of judgment because the, the culture's judging these folks. So this is, you know, where judgment ends, healing begins, and, and for Jesus and for the city. And we've preached all these things about we want to be a church for the unchurched. But you usually are a church for the churched. Right. You know, if you know what I mean. Like you usually, more, the more people you reach in are people from another church that are coming to this one. And, and that's great. But this is, you really got an opportunity to minister to some folks that do not have church backgrounds, do not have a relationship right. with Jesus. And, it's, and it's, uh, that's why I think that's the, the shift in thinking does change the way you preach. It does change the way you do your small groups. It does change the way change the way you do church. The way you do church. It's just simple. They are gonna. The church is gonna have to get out of the pews. And and get involved. Yeah. It's just simple as that. They're, they're gonna. Have, you can't just keep sitting in the pews. You got. You got to get involved, and uh, that's what you got to have. Yeah. It's just simple. Well, it's the same thing Jesus was doing. It is. Mm-hmm. And and now I want to warn you. Some of these people that are coming, they've hurt you. Oh yeah, we've run Some into of that the people too. that are coming yeah. with us, yeah. they've hurt me and stick deeply. We had a choice. We could be bitter or we could be like Jesus. Yep. Mm-hmm. We chose to be like Jesus. We've interviewed some of them and they would come in and bring them into the jail and they would sit down and we'd have to look at them and say, before we enter you, we need to clear some things up. And we'd remind them of what they did to us. And they'd drop their head and start crying. Yeah. Thinking, well, I'm done here. I'm, gonna, I'm doomed for jail. And we'd say, we just wanted you to know we hadn't forgot that, but we forgive you. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they couldn't believe it. That was, that was so I just want to tell you, prepare yourself yeah. to forgive yep. people that's hurt you. Everybody deserves a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance. Without it, me and him wouldn't be sitting here. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You got to give people yeah. second chances. Everybody deserves to be yeah. forgiven. And uh, so. And, you know, and talk through just a little bit like the. When people, how do people get into the center? And are there any kind of safeguards you got for the churches coming in, that kind of thing? Like how? Well, the way we do it is uh, we're working with uh, the judge. We, uh-huh. you know, yeah. the, but but at, we get calls from everybody. I, I, I don't know how. I can't explain that. But once people figure out you're doing it, you, they'll just know where to call. Uh, and, and then, of course, me and him go to the jail most of the time and interview them. Mm-hmm. Michael wants us to go down. Judge Judge yeah. Henson wants us to go down and talk to him mm-hmm. because, well, I've been an addict. We've been a, we've been addicts, so mm-hmm. uh, we pretty pretty much know. But I mean, you're not you're not going to win them all. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's just part of it. Uh, but we're usually a pretty good judge of character. Yeah, and we so pretty much know. know when they're real. That's another thing, uh, Russ. Is there you're you're not going to fake your way through this program. Yeah. You're, 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 it's, that's not going to work with this program. I mm-hmm. can tell you right now. It's not like all these other programs. Uh, there's no way to go through Hope Center and not change. Mm-hmm. There's just no way. Yeah. You, you'll be gone. Yeah. If, if you're not real, so, you'll be gone. So it's not for everybody. Absolutely. You, you you're do not have folks them all. that it doesn't, yeah. doesn't fit. And you've got to learn to take that too because yeah. it's easy to... to uh, begin a relationship with some of these folks and you get to where you well I mean you love them they're just like your family Mm -hmm. well sometimes you're going to lose one of them 
uh, and it's going to hurt. Yeah. And, and you're going to have to, you're going to have to keep the vision. Mm -hmm. And and what you have to learn is, what you're you're partnering with them as a church, and we're sold. We're, we're seed sowers. Well, every seed that you sow doesn't all come up at the same time. That's good. And some of these people, you're going to sow seeds. They may leave, but you did your job. And the biggest thing I can tell you is don't forget your role. Your role is not to change them. Your role is to sow the seed of the love of Jesus, the word mm -hmm. of God, and then he Be will changed. water it. And some of them may take a year or two longer. Some of them may yeah. have to go back to jail for a year or two. And I'll be honest with you. Some of them die. That's the bad part. Some of them die. Mm -hmm. But at least when they do and you have to preach the funeral, you can say, we showed them the love of God. We put the word of God in them. And this is what I know, Russ. I've been able to comfort a lot of mothers and dads and family members by saying this. When you OD, you know it. It's a very painful thing. Mm -hmm. And when you give them the knowledge of the truth of the gospel, they can cry out, Lord, help me. They'll never forget it. And I can promise you, when you're old and sticks, you're going to cry out to God. First thing I always do is say, Lord, help me. You know, just how, do you know how many young men you've lost in Lewis County? Over 50 people yeah, from OD. 50. 50. And yeah, we were, doing, we were losing three to five people a week. For a while. And now. And they're kids. Yes, kids, mostly most kids, yes. And yeah. I don't remember the last death. It's been a while. We were yep. going to the jail two, sometimes three times a day, five, six days a week. Now we might go yeah. a few times a month. I just seen a statistic on, on fentanyl the last month and a half. There's been over 6,400 deaths in the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. And they're going after our kids with it. Mm -hmm. it's, it's looking like it, they're putting it in M&M's, yeah. uh, Skittles. Yeah. That's candy. what it looks like. It looks like candy. Yeah. And, and it's not yeah. like drugs I used to do, Russ. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's a one and done kind of drug. Yeah. Yeah. It's like playing Russian roulette. That's mm -hmm. what it's like. Yeah, but the only difference in this and Russian roulette, Russian roulette, you got one bullet. With this, you take one bullet out. <clears throat> that's, how, right. that's how bad it is. Mm. It's bad. Do you know, uh, and you may not be able to do this off the top of your head, but you gave some stats at the banquet. Can you give them? 95, if, you, if you check into the men's center in Hornwall, you have a 95% chance of graduating. We have a 95% graduation rate. 75% of our graduates are still in our community and still sober. And, uh, still working. Still and if, working in our community. They're sober, yeah. which is unbelievable. The, I was going to uh, say, if you know anything about recovery, those stats, you, you're not going to believe those stats. And so you're probably going to be Googling going, that can't be right, because it's, well, it's unbelievable. The key, though, is rate. it's the church. We have 12 churches, and we meet every month, the pastors of those churches, and we pray together, we cry together over our community. And what I want to suggest to you, get you a coalition of churches mm -hmm. that will meet meet somewhere, and this is what we do. Uh, Dave, Brother David Adcox was key in that, helping us. Without him, we wouldn't have had that. He helped us do that. Yes. And the key is this. We agreed to concentrate on what we agree on and not argue over the things we don't agree on. Yep. And what we agree on is Jesus is the answer, and if we don't come together in unity, we're going to lose all of our kids to these drugs. Mm -hmm. We've never had an argument. We respect each other. 
And I'm telling you, if it wasn't for the coalition, those that numbers unity, wouldn't be that that's, way. I agree with that. I agree. Unity. And, yeah. the, and the workers in the, in the community. And I'll tell you a story. I had a, a, a text. I, I told you it was the worst kept secret. And I, another pastor in town texts me um, Tuesday night and goes, are y'all starting a Hope Center in Columbia? And I thought, I don't know. And well, first I texted him and said, how did you know? And then my second question, because I was worried, I was like, oh, he knows something bad about it. I was like, what do you know about him? Have you worked with him? Do you know these guys or what? And he said, I'm sitting with the founder at a retreat in Montana right now. They're the most incredible guys in the world. All they want to see is people free. And I sent back to him, and I said, that's awesome. That's amazing. It, it's a God thing. Like, yeah. how, how in the world did this pastor sit with the founder? And cause the, the guy told him, I don't know the founder's name, but he Josh told him. Hannah. Josh. So Josh told him, we're starting one in Columbia. And... Um, I said, we're going to need some partners, and he texted back, let's go. Yeah. I mean, that's that, awesome. and that's a... At, at, that's and there's your start. Yeah, yeah, that's the start of the coalition. Um, we had not got a whole lot of time left, but you shared something with me this morning when you came in. You said God put something on your heart, and it was, it was a perfect verse. I didn't know what verses we were going to use up here, but will you share it? Yeah, you look over in Matthew, and it says... Uh, the king answered and said to them, I say to you, inasmuch, I mean, he said, he will say to those on the left hand, depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire. And this is what he said. He said, I was hungry, you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me no, no, no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. They all will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and not minister to you? He'll answer to them and say, Surely I say to you, inasmuch as you did not, did not to the least of these, you did not to me. Yeah. And that's what, that's, that's it in a that, nutshell. Are you willing as a church to do it to the least of these? Mm -hmm. The ones that are naked, that are broken, that are in prison, and uh, when you when you throw that prison in there, that changes everything. Yeah, and I, I'll I'll share this, and I want to close with a word of prayer for you guys. Um, so Murray Hills, October we turned 21 years old, and that's still a baby church <laughs> in a lot of ways. I mean, church, it was a baby church, 21 years old, but and I've been here for 18 of them, and I feel like early on, and some of this just may have been being a young preacher. Early on, it was like, you know, how do we grow? How do we reach as many people as possible? How do we grow? How do we grow? How do we grow? And, and that's important. I mean, I do want to reach people, and I never want to lose sight of that. But um, as I think about the next 20 years of Murray Hills, and my, or probably my last 20 years at Murray Hills, you know, I mean, that, um, they're going to want a young guy at some point. I, I think... It, it shifts from how do you grow, how do you grow, how do you grow, to how do you help people? How do you help people? Oh, yeah. How do you minister to people? And the legacy of this church, I don't want the legacy to this church to be we built a big building on Highway 31 South. I want the legacy of this church to be that's the church that helps people. Amen. That's the church. If you're in crisis, that's the church that's going to help you. Amen. That's the church that's going to help you. And, and that's, that's been the focus of our leadership. I want to say kudos to our elders and our staff because we met with Carson and then uh, and one of our staff asked a great question, like, what scares you about this? And we had a, a bunch, you know, we, we talked through it, you know, like, well, this and this, and we, we you know, we talked through this, and we, well, should we do it? And one of our members, I don't want to call out name, they had tears run down their eyes, and they said, this is why I went into ministry. 
this is why I went into ministry. I went into ministry to do stuff like this. I didn't go into ministry to have, you know, great. I went into ministry to help people. And um, it does kind of bring you back to the basics. That is why we went into ministry. Um, that is why God saved you. It is. is so that you could turn around and help other people. It and you, you're helping pulling people out of the ditch because you can say, I've been there. And um, that is why we have church. That, that's why. Exactly. We, that's exactly. That's why we have church. That's so, exactly why we have church. Yeah. I'm going to ask Aubrey to stay over for second service because we need a cheerleader in the second service too. And, uh, but I, I want to, we had done this in forever. This is, this is uh, back in the early days of Murray Hills, we used to have an invitation and we would invite people to come pray around whoever responded to the invitation. And I, I, so I want to I close the service that way. And I want to, you guys, there's an empty front row would y'all mind sitting on the front row, the empty front row? And I want to invite the church to come, and we're going to pray over Tim and Jeff and the Hope Center in, in Hornwald. So, and that's the way we'll close out the service. Let's all stand together. And uh, y'all come sit on the front. And uh, anybody that wants to pray with them, come, come forward and put a hand on their shoulder. You can kneel with them, and, and we're just going to have a time of prayer with these guys. Father, I want to lift up to you right now, Jeff Gandy and Tim Cotta. And I want to thank you, God, for saving Tim. Uh, Twelve different treatment centers couldn't save him, but you did. And I'm thankful for saving him. And now he's taking the gift that you've given him, and he's turning around, and he's helping save other young men. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for Jeff and his leadership uh, at the church and taking a... A church has been around a long time. I remember Blondie when I was a kid. It's been, been in Hornwald forever. And making it outward focused. And it's the place that people call when they're in need. And, and I, God, I pray for Jeff and his leadership as the pastor there at that church. I pray for um, the members of that church as they continue ministering. Uh, and Hope Center. And we do say a prayer for the, the men's center and the women's center there. I don't know all the names of the directors and the admissions folks and all of that, but we pray that they continue to be successful uh, in leading people to you. It's a hard work. It's a, it's a heavy work. There's a lot of heavy lifting. And I just pray that you continue to, to bless these two brothers and to bless the work that they are doing in Hornwald and to bless them as they save uh, or helping as they said, not, they ain't doing the saving. You're doing the saving. They're just pointing them in the right direction. So God, continue to, to help them in that effort. And be with this church as we get ready to embark on an adventure like this. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of questions and there's a lot of fears. And there's also a lot of excitement and there's a lot of opportunity. And help us to embrace the opportunity and, and push through the challenges. Because we want to be a church that serves the least of these. And we want to be a church that says we, we are feeding the hungry and and clothing the, the naked and, and, and giving a cup of water to the thirsty and visiting those in prison. And so help us to be that kind of place. Uh, it's in the name of your son, Jesus, I pray these things. Amen. If you are encouraged by today's talk, feel free to share it with your friends. Please also consider rating and subscribing on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more, please visit us online at murrayhills.com.